Welcome into Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here in your New York Knicks win the crosstown battle against Brooklyn in Brooklyn, though you wouldn't know it from here in the crowd. 108 to 103 for your Knicks. They are now 19 and 0 versus teams under 500. A huge Jalen Brunson performance. OG Ananobi playing amazing defense and some great offense. Julius Randle with a key dunk down the stretch. Lots of great stuff to talk about from this game next on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get 150 and dollars in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a five dollar bet visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started and i want to thank you guys for making locked on next first listen today and every day whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking in the sights sounds on youtube we appreciate you making us part of your daily routine make sure you hit that auto download function on your favorite podcast app or the notification bell on youtube so you never miss an episode I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Nick's site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. And he's Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster, favorite play-by-play broadcaster. And your Knicks are the favorite team in New York, bar freaking none. <laughs> that is undeniable after this game, Gavin. This was this was a lot of fun to watch, especially considering this is a national TV game. Just sort of underscores like the the announcers, you know, it was uh, Ian Eagle and, and uh, Stan Van Gundy on the call and just kind of them marveling in the fact of like, Wow, there's a lot of Knicks fans in here. And like in the post-game interview, them talking about to Julius Randle, like, hey, so what was it like basically having a home game tonight? Because man, those roars of the crowd in this game were crazy in favor of the Knicks, and they really deserved it. Uh, I thought this was just a, a phenomenal two-way effort from this team. I mean, they had their moments where you were like, uh, like maybe you know, the, the defense wasn't quite tight enough, but considering that they were without Isaiah Hartenstein, who's been so key to things that they're doing on both ends of the floor right now, I thought that the Knicks played about as well as you could reasonably expect because, like, the Nets are not a pushover team. They might be under 500, but they're not. They're in the hunt for the play-in. They're they're a team. They're an NBA team. Let's put it that way. And need to be, you know, treated with respect any given night on the court. And the Knicks did that and just did what they had to do to pull away and win this game. And look, this was a this was a pissed off Nets team, right? They blew a big lead against the Clippers. The Clippers ended that game on a historic 22-0 run. I think that was the, the single best run in any fourth quarter teams had at least this season. I think it's been in a couple of seasons. Um, they've been losing games in the fourth quarter all month. I've heard about it from my roommate a lot. Um, I've taken some pleasure in that. But um, they were desperate to come out and beat the Knicks tonight. And you, you could sense it from the beginning of the game. Give Mikhail Bridges a lot of credit. He stepped up, had like 31 points, I think like early fourth quarter, maybe halfway through the third quarter in this game. And then just down the stretch, like the Knicks have done what they've done all season. I mean, it, it, like we, we got to marvel at that 19 and 0 against teams under 500, even under Tom Thibodeau at points, the Knicks haven't always taken care of business in those games. They found ways to blow leads late, like early last season, like it was painful loss after painful loss. And at least this version of the team with OG and Anobi, but even the earlier version of the team, like teams they should beat, they find a way to pull it out. And I, I, I thought this was Far from a perfect game for the Knicks, but with so much going against them. Obviously, no Isaiah Hartenstein that despite pretty good games from Jericho Sims and Precious Achua, I thought they really missed him. 
they were still able to do it. And it's because they have one of the best offensive players in basketball in, in Jalen Brunson and one of the best defensive players in basketball in OG Ananobi. And, and sometimes the game really is that simple. And I thought those two guys both dominated on their respective ends, not to mention Julius Randle. I mean, 30 points, nine rebounds, seven assists. We'll, we'll get into him, Alex. I thought he did some great stuff. But when I looked at the box score, that stat line shocked me. I didn't realize he had close to those numbers in, in a game that felt quiet from him, but was was loud in some significant ways. Yeah, and there was no sequence louder than the one that basically was the dagger of this game. And I think it's sort of in in one shining sequence, the Knicks basically underscored every single thing that you just said there, where the Nets bring the ball down, tight game. They come down the floor. They're they're charging. Josh Hart and Presh Sachua both make a great play on the ball on the driving Nets player. I honestly forget who was driving, and I forgot. Dennis Smith. Dennis Smith. Dennis Smith. Oh, how about Yeah, yeah. But Dennis Smith is driving. Both those guys get up. I think Precious gets a piece of it. The Nets get it back. Immediately go to get get the ball back up and try to make another shot. OG crashes in, blocks the crap out of that one. He corrals it, gets it to Julius Randle. Julius gets right. Oh wait, wait, no. I was it was Josh Hart tightrope save. Who got it? Oh, yes. Yes. Josh yeah. Hart, tightrope save long and baseline. Sorry. Kicks it to Julius Randle in transition, who gets running. And that was a huge theme late in this game for the Knicks was that they just had more legs under them still late in this game and were able to just get out and run and run and run in transition and run the wheels off the nets, basically. Julius gets out in transition, kicks it ahead to Brunson, who was actually pretty well defended down there. But then Julius turns on the afterburners, gets in catches a pass from from Jalen and just goes up, slams home a huge dunk. I mean, I just thought that was that was like the sequence. And, you know, it's interesting that it came with Josh Hart out there as the nominal two because we've certainly had our issues with him being in that position uh, because of the lack of shooting and stuff. But in this particular game, it didn't matter because late down the stretch, all the Knicks really needed was to just out-muscle the Nets and then just have more endurance than them. And Hart was a huge part of that. Like he was a spark plug. He was providing energy on defense. And then he even had a key bucket late where he just basically like big boyed his way on into the inside and and got in there, finished through contact, forced a timeout late from the Nets. And that was probably the dagger before the dagger uh, that really kind of sent this game home. I thought it was a really great game from him, but, you know, just a great offensive game from Brunson as well. Great offensive game from Julius. And OG, like you said, you know, just made defensive plays all game. He ended up with six stocks in this game, which is just insane. Uh, say six stocks ten times fast, too. That's really tough. That that almost tripped me out. <laughs> um, before steals two blocks. I mean, I thought that he just he had as much of a defensive impact in this game as he has in any single game as a Nick, I think, so far. Um, and and really controlled both the paint and the passing lanes and just just made life hell for the Nets this whole game. Yeah, I look, we can start off on the on the Josh Hart point. I, I still have my questions on how it's going to look if he's closing games against the best teams in the league. And we're, we're going to get a chance to see that right with Miami. Um, who knows if Terry Rozier is going to shoot out sh- suit up for them. Um, we're both having trouble today. Um, um, and then and then the Denver Nuggets and the Knicks look, they're 10 and two in the OG and Anobi era. They've had like, I think, still top two defense, not the best defense in the league since the trade, like one of the best offensive rebounding teams, I think the best offensive rebounding team in the league since the trade um, top 10 offense, um, like just borderline um, top 10 offense, but borderline top, but still top 10 offense um, since the deal went down. 
does it hold up against the best teams? Like it, it did against Minnesota. It did against Philly. We'll see if it does the rest this week. And, and, and who that fifth guy is to close games is ultimately my biggest question there, because I, I don't think you have any, any questions about Brunson or Randall or OG or um, Hartenstein when he's healthy. It comes down to that fifth guy. And tonight, Hart was the fifth guy. And I'm usually of the opinion, like, like I, I know Tibbs loves him for all the cliched crap that he does. But I'm like, at a certain point, we just need some shooting out on the floor to give space for Julius and, and Jalen to make plays late in games. Um, Tonight, it didn't matter because the cliched crap w- was at such a high level from Josh Hart. Like, I, I think the play that gets, that gets forgotten in that mix was the huge offensive rebound he had to set up the Randall three that gave the Knicks um, a 101 to 100 lead. Um, then then the play you described, and then that brilliant back cut late where Jalen sort of got cut off, was forced to give it to OG. Randall cut middle, got it to Randall. Randall was doubled, and Mikhail Bridges just kind of motioned for someone else to take Josh Hart, but Hart looped around. No one ever picked him off. It was almost like a football play where a receiver right before the snap goes from one side of, of, of the play to the other side of the play. is wide open. Brilliant pass from Julius, who had a lot of them tonight. Easy lay, 105-101. Um, e- even though a late gamble by OG nearly uh, could have could have blown it for the Knicks, um, that, that ultimately decided the game. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, for for what it's worth, I I do wonder if maybe we're not even going to have to worry too much about the heart at the two conundrum going down the stretch of the season because there's probably a pretty decent chance that the Knicks are just going to address that via trade. Um, mm-hmm. And whoever they end up getting that ends up being that guy that comes off the bench. You know, I think that we're still sort of holding our breath to see if maybe it ends up being Malcolm Brogdon because uh, I think more and more, much like I was – I felt really good about when we saw OG earlier this year, and I was like, "Man, I I think I could see this working." I, I'm getting those same kind of vibes with with oh, what wow. Brogdon could bring. Your Peter where, Tingle's going off. My or, Peter Tingle is uh, going Brogdon. off. Yeah, a little yeah. Spider Man reference. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's like if you could replace Hart with like a Malcolm Brogdon down the stretch, who can do a lot of the things that Josh Hart can do, uh, but also create a shot and hit threes and do all the things that Brogdon does well. I mean, this team, this team might be really dangerous, like legitimately, like we might have to start thinking about like, okay, what are the chances that this team can maybe go on a run and end up like a top three seed in the East this year or something uh, and potentially overtake Philly. Um, or, I mean, we just saw today the bucks just fired their coach and now they're bringing in doc rivers mid season. That could work out great. Or that could, really set them back for a while and push them back in the standings and allow the Knicks an opportunity to move up and, you know, get a higher seed here later in the season and secure more home court advantage than they would have had otherwise. So, you know, we'll see how things go the rest of the season, but things are certainly trending up. You know, I, I love that the Knicks can come into pretty much any game. And I would, I would say they did not have their best game in this game and obviously missed iHeart a ton and yet still just had, had just what they needed to, pull this thing out between all the various intangibles that their players bring. And like this, this roster is really starting to to mix together very, very well at this point. Yeah. And I, I think the fact is you, you feel confident they're going to find a way in all of these games. And and at the end of the day, as, as much as you love what Ananobi did, what Randall did, what Hart did, that comes down to Jalen Brunson. We're going to talk about that next on Lockdown Knicks. But first we got to whet your appetite talking about our buddies over at Hungry Root. Hungry Root is the easiest way to get fresh, high-quality food delivered to your door. 
They've got healthy groceries and simple recipes all in one place. Take a fun short quiz and Hungry Root will get to know you, your goals, and how you like to eat. They'll ask you what flavors you like, which kitchen appliances you use, and more. And then they'll keep your needs and preferences top of mind and start building your cart with delicious recipes and all of your grocery needs for the week. Hungry Root will recommend recipes and groceries based on your taste. Take their suggestions or choose anything you want. They've got fresh produce, high quality meat and seafood, pantry staples, healthy snacks and sweets, and so much more. The best part about Hungry Root is it follows a simple standard. It's got to taste good, be quick to make, and contain whole trusted ingredients. So right now, Hungry Root is offering the Locked On NBA channel listeners 40% off your first delivery, and free veggies for life. I'm a vegan. I'm into that. So just go to HungryRoot.com slash LockedOn to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash LockedOn. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. And today's show is also brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. And with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. I've taken advantage of this myself, getting parts from my Toyota Prius, just little vanity parts, you know, little things. It's tough to make a Prius look cool, but I'm doing my best with eBay Motors because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. All right, Gavin, and we're back in, continuing to talk through this big win for the Knicks. 108 to 103 national television in their home away from home. Barclays Center, where I must remind again, the cheers for the Knicks were at least double as loud as anything that the arena tried to produce from the Nets side, which is always... A little satisfying, uh, considering where things have the ebbs and flows of the, you know, the the relationship between these two teams and the expectations between these two teams over the last ten years or so. It's always always fun to see things go that way. But let's talk about Jalen Brunson. Another thirty point game in this one. Shoots eleven of twenty two. Actually, did not have his three point shot going as much as usual. Only shooting two of seven there. Six of seven from the free throw line. Also three boards, four assists. Only two turnovers in this game. And Gavin, I thought that he did a good job. Like, I thought that Brunson early was trying to get that three going. And I thought he did a good job of identifying that it wasn't working as much and focusing in on just the getting inside game, the drawing free throws, like utilizing pick and roll and just running the game more that way, as well as, of course, getting out in transition, which the whole team did a great job of. But I, I thought this was just, I mean, what else is new? A very, complete scoring performance from Brunson where he played to his strengths as best as humanly possible and did exactly what the team needed for the win today. Yeah. Look, I mentioned it the other night, but he, he has two ways to kill a team now and it's the three point shooting and, and then it's getting into his bag and in, in terms of his, his, his footwork, his post game, um, his handle, which is just ridiculous. Like I think it was the first bucket he had of the night was 
absolutely insane. Like a crossover spin, step through on Dinwiddie that you, you just feel bad for guys on other teams at, at certain point. Like got a heck of a compliment from Stan Van Gundy, who's seen a lot of NBA basketball in his life. And he, he said about Jalen that he's, quote, the best I've ever seen playing off two feet as a small guy, smaller guy in the NBA um, it, it was, it was like a clinic, like this entire night, like I was just bullying Dennis Smith Jr. He's like a strong, tough one-on-one defender. He's one of the better point guard defenders in the league, like torched his buddy, Mikhail Bridges with a little in and out dribble, one foot runner over Nick Claxton diced up Royce O'Neal on a double crossover late to get to the line. I, I thought the biggest sequence though, was, um, after the, uh, bench unit did a great job getting the Knicks back in it when they were down by 10 and OG and Anobi just, and we, we could talk about the next sort of like scraped and clawed his way to a couple of buckets. Like Brunson just came right back in and like, got like a, like a quick, quick two free throws that I mentioned before. And then, and then one of the two threes he hit on the night, like just stepping behind a Julius Randall screen crossing over. It was to cap off a nine Oh run for the Knicks. And at that point, like they were solidly in the game down the stretch and, and Brunson laid enough of a foundation that he didn't have to do a whole lot. And it was really OG's defense and Julius Randall's offense taking home, but with OG, Alex, like, I don't think we can overlook what he did with that bench unit that is just desperate for offense on any given night. And we saw like a little bit more of the ISO package for OG. And we, we see, we've seen it in bits and pieces, but it's mostly been against teams that are just totally overmatched, like whether it's Portland or whether it was Memphis the other day. Um, But this time, like legit close game down the stretch and Ananobi came through with a few big plays. Yeah. And, you know, I think the Knicks are finally starting to figure out how to use him best, which is good. You know, that initially he was strikingly similar to how Grimes is used, sort of like he was just kind of there for his signature, you know, shots from the corners and, you know, mostly being utilized as a three point shooter and as a cutter. Uh, obviously, a, you know, I, I think it's inarguably better cutter than pretty much anyone on the Knicks. Like, mostly because of that crazy finishing ability that he has and just the length and the ease with which he's able to just get inside, overpower whoever and dunk over someone uh, on those cuts, which is not something that the Knicks have really had before. But now we're finally starting to see like, okay, they get it. Like, just get this guy going downhill. It, it plays into sort of what I said in our last show together, where it was like, it, treat him like a running back, you know, like just you got to give him that that runway, you know, get him get him moving before he gets the ball and then get him the ball, and then let him get in there. And that was so key to that stretch because I made a note, like, that was a weird lineup that they played at late third quarter, early fourth. It was Deuce McBride, Quentin Grimes, Josh Hart, OG Ananobi, Precious Achua. Like, a, a just sort of like the super cut lineup. You know what I mean? Like, there's nobody there that really is is a great ball handler or can actually set that offense up that well in the traditional sense. Like there's nobody that's just going to go out there and create a shot for themselves or for others. And, you know, like do something without the assistance of someone else, but they did a really good job. I think with all the players that are involved in that lineup of just sort of working on constant motion and saying, okay, let's, you know, everybody just start, you know, coming up to the top of the, towards the three point line and then just get some motion going, get it into someone's hands moving. And OG was the one that just really took advantage of this, like took a really nice handoff from Precious Achua up top, took that inside for a finish. Uh, also took another one where he got uh, fouled at the hoop and got a couple free throws. Also had a midi, which was nice, I, which honestly I'm happy to have seen not many of since he came to the Knicks. It was one of my biggest worries with him, to be honest, is that it, to this point in his career, prior to getting traded to the Knicks, he had been 
I, I don't want to say totally in love with the mid-range shot, but definitely thought highly of himself there and took probably too many of them. But it's a nice thing to have when you just kind of need it in a bailout situation, which he did at one point where he kind of got stopped in the key and then was just like, yeah, all right, I can just rise up and hit a midi here, I guess. Like he had a good look and I'm fine with him taking that shot. I think the thing we just need to avoid with him is tr giving him the ball and saying, figure something out. And they're, yeah. they're starting to do a good job of not doing that. And he really took advantage of that and took what was kind of an awkward fit lineup and turned it into something successful early in the fourth when the Knicks really needed it. Yeah, you stole the word right out of my brain because I think OG typically looks awkward when he's trying to get into his mid-range game. And tonight was just one of the better ones. Like he hit one in the first quarter where like he he just he got away with like a clean push off on Spencer Dinwiddie went flying back about five feet because OG's just a freaking bull and he's just one of the strongest guys in the NBA. And then the one you referenced, like the shot clock was dwindling. He just had Cam Johnson on him. He's like, all right, I'll just shoot it over him. It was a key play. But I, I thought to your point, this was just a a genius level defensive performance from OG Ananobi mar almost marred by, by one, uh, what could have been a brilliant gamble ended up being a terrible gamble late, but he just reminds me, Alex, of almost like, you know, like the, those scenes, I'm, I'm sure this happens in real life too, but those scenes in movies where like, where like the swimmers are desperately trying to avoid getting caught up by the whale, just sucking in its meal like that. That's OG. Anytime the ball's within two, three feet or like, it just finds his hands and it's because his wingspan is so crazy and it, and his hands are strong. I think that's the other part. It's very similar to Quentin Grimes in that respect, but it just looks effortless where like someone's dribbling a ball and all of a sudden they're not. OG's just eating it up. Um, but he also had like a flying block on Cam Johnson in the first half, had that swipe on Dorian Finney-Smith where he ended up going coast to coast, like broke up a lob at one point. We already mentioned the defensive plays late. Um, the, the play that I've referenced twice now was um, the Nets had the ball down by three. It was Brunson. Um, it was the Knicks' only miss on 19 free throws all night. Missed a free throw late. Um, Nets get it back, chance to tie the game, and he gambles on the kill bridges. And I, I don't like it just because I have so much confidence in OG as a one-on-one -on -one defender. I'm like, you, you can just go lock him up. Like, he's not going to score on you, but it forced um, Hart to rotate over. Cam Johnson gets a wide open three. Fortunately, the way things are going for the Nets right now, he just wasn't going to make it. He didn't. Knicks pull out with the win. I'd rather OG doesn't do that next time just because I, I don't think the risk reward there is, is, is worth it. Um, but it, it was outside of that, just a heck of a defensive game from him. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, I think other than, than OG, I think we should probably talk about a pretty significant defensive game for Jericho Sims. I think one of his best games that he's had ever on the defensive end. I mean, he certainly showed more on that end. Plus pressure Sachua stepping in and playing big minutes, including down the stretch, uh, Julius Randle, we haven't talked about too much with another 30 point mm -hmm. game. So there's a lot to talk about coming up. But first, Gavin, do you want to let everyone know about our good friends over at FanDuel? The NFL season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets. Win or lose. The app is so easy to use. There's so many different ways to bet, like live, same game parlays, find bets in the new Explore tab, make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays and more. Alex, I am looking at those uh, AFC and NFC conference championship 
lines. And the one that stands out to me, the Baltimore Ravens, three and a half point favorites over the Kansas City Chiefs. I know all week long money has been pouring in on Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes. I'm going to pull Lee Corso. Not so fast, my friend. Baltimore, uh, just the substantially better team the entire season. One of the best in, in modern football history, according to DVOA. Um, Mahomes is incredible. He's transcendent. Yes, I would I would bet on him over Lamar Jackson in general. I just think Lamar is a much better team around him. So I'm laying some money down on the Ravens. If you want to join me or you want to go against me, visit FanDuel.com slash Lockdown and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, Alex, we, we've put it off too long. Let's, let, let's give Julius Randle his respect 30 points, nine rebounds, seven assists, 10 of 19 from the field. Uh, restricted himself to two threes, hit both of them. Perfect eight for eight from the line. One of the most efficient 30-point games he's had as a Nick, I would say. Did have four turnovers in this one, but I, I generally thought it was just a fantastic night for him. What what would you make of his performance? I thought he played this game exactly how he had to. You know what I mean? Like, there was only one or two times where I, where I kind of, like, sighed a little bit and was like, ugh. Julius, come on. Like, like there was one sequence where he sort of lottie dot his way back because you could tell he thought he got fouled uh, going inside. And then that was early-ish on in the game when um, Cam Johnson was was shooting well and it led to a, a Cam Johnson three. And I was like, oh, come on, you know, like I wish it, you would have ran back a little more robustly there. But other than that, like, I mean, he he did exactly what he had to do on offense, especially. I mean, it was you you alluded to it like lately. He's been all about kind of getting up the volume on threes no matter what. Like, uh, you know, against all odds, he's going to go out there and he's going to put up those attempts because they were sort of like necessary for the Knicks a lot of nights just to space the floor and everything. And yet in this one, I think he understood like I can beat most of these guys like off the dribble. I can get inside and they certainly can't overpower me. Like the Nets are not the Nets are a lot of things. They're young and long and everything else. They're not a very strong team, clearly. I mean, they just got bullied by multiple Knicks players all night. I shudder to think what would have happened if Hartenstein had played this game, to be honest. Because he probably would have had 25 rebounds in this game. But I mean, Julius just kind of imposed his will, got inside whenever he wanted to, finished through contact. Uh, you know, ends up with eight free throw attempts, which was a testament to how much work he put in getting inside. Makes all of them no less, too, which is always a huge plus with Julius. Uh, but then beyond that, you know, just the fact that he even had it going so much that on a night where he hadn't really shot any threes, he just makes casually two super clutch ones down the stretch that the Knicks really needed. It just underscored his night. It was just a very effortless, flowy sort of night for him. And yet also a night where he really imposed his will physically and just kind of bent this team to whatever he wanted to do. Yeah, I, t I totally agree with you. Like, like one of the big things I had highlighted in my notes was like quiet first half, still had 13 points. Nice job picking his spots. Like that, that's exactly how he felt about it. And then he didn't score. Like I probably should double check this, but I can pretty confidently say he didn't score the first nine minutes or so of the third quarter. So he's still sitting there with 13 points, which means he had 17 in the final 15 minutes of this game. And even that wasn't like sometimes with Julius, like you'll just see him rip off like 12 straight. He, he had seven in a row at one point when the Knicks were down. Um, I think it was like 85 to 72, I want to say. Um, and he hit, hit this huge fadeaway to cut the lead to eight. Before that, he had this great play where he ran the floor, sealed Camp Thomas. Brunson hit him on like one of the better passes I've ever seen Jalen Brunson throw, just lofted like a 
golden parabola over the head of Thomas right into the hands of Randall's probably 70 feet on a dime. And then following those two, he had a three over bridges. And that, that was seven in a row. Um, I, I thought what stood out to me, like his physicality down the stretch of this game, I get a huge offensive rebound. The Knicks with about three minutes left. The Knicks don't end up scoring on that possession. Then he gets the defensive rebound, pushes the ball up to the floor single-handedly, slips it to Precious Achua, like who, who also ran the floor really well on that play and great sense of space to be in the right spot. Drew a foul with 238 left in the game, crashing down by two. Like that's a huge play because it eventually led to a heart offensive rebound. And then he kicked it out to Julius Randle, who nailed the step back. That gave the Knicks the 101 to 100 lead, uh, which obviously one of their first leads of the second half, turned it over. But then I mentioned the pass to Hart, and then he secures the game ending rebound. Like, I, I just thought, like, it took him a while to fully embrace it. But this was another night, like most nights for Julius Randle, where he was just bigger, stronger, tougher, batter, like, throw out your adjective of choice um, than anyone on the other team. And, like, he made them feel it in the second half. And to me, like, that was the difference in the Knicks kind of being like, not so fast. Like, we're, we're ultimately going to win this game. But Alex, before we wrap it up, uh, you wanted to talk about Precious and Jericho. I thought exceptional first quarter for Jericho, exceptional fourth quarter for Precious Achua. Yeah, I, I thought that both of them really did a great job and basically gave the Knicks exactly what they needed. So, I mean, Jericho Sims, I think, so the, the things that I thought he did really, really well, offensive rebounding, fantastic. I thought that he looked really good, despite the fact that the numbers don't really jump out there like he only had two offensive boards but it felt like more i think it was just because of how much he was keeping his body in the way of people uh and you know kind of doing what mitch does sometimes where he doesn't necessarily get the rebound but is making his presence felt uh as far as boxing out and stuff like that uh pressure chua as well four offensive rebounds five defensive rebounds that's more mitch or hartenstein like uh had a, a very serious impact late in the game but jericho too like i think did a better job on offense of sort of utilizing what he did well. And yet I think early things looked a little clunky because he was, I think crashing a little too hard off of like, if he would set a pick and they would run a pick and roll, he was running in a little too quickly. And I think that was disrupting the flow a bit on the offense, which like on a pick and roll, it's, it's all about pace. You got to kind of like pace your way in there because you got to give the ball handler time to potentially, blaze all the way to the hoop and just finish without you there rather than dragging your defender there. And I noticed later on in the game, like in the third quarter and even in the, you know, like towards the end of the first quarter, even when he was still playing, they already started adjusting and started kind of keeping him out by whether this was conscious or not. He was staying out towards the three point line a little more, which is allowing the ball handler a little more breathing room. And he's got the athleticism and hops and everything to close that gap if he has to. But then that was even allowing like cutters to come in and stuff like that, which is more of what you see with Isaiah Hartenstein, who usually chills around the uh, around like the top of the paint, you know, up by the free throw mm -hmm. line, because he's got that push shot available to him. He's got the passing available to him, everything else, things that Jericho doesn't really have. So I thought they played that smart down the stretch. And then uh, Precious, too, I thought had kind of a tough start. Like he tried to do his best Hartenstein impression early uh, and missed a pretty open floater once or twice and just you know, the, the touch concerns that we knew coming in with him that kind of keep him from being a much better player were kind of rearing their ugly head. And then he figured it out down the stretch too and started doing a lot of the things that he did really well the other night when he scored all those points in garbage time uh, and looked crazy good. But the big thing with him that I think was a differentiator than with Sims, which helped the Knicks down the stretch here to generate the looks they wanted is that he can camp out on the perimeter a little bit 
He took a three. He didn't make it. You don't really respect him as a three-point shooter, and clearly the Nets didn't. They had nobody within 10 feet of him when he took that shot. But you do have to respect his ability to potentially put the ball on the floor because that was what he did the other night. And like so mm-hmm. that means you are at least going to get somewhat of a closeout, uh, you know, and you know, try to prevent the guy from just kind of charging straight towards the hoop, getting momentum, and then he's got the verticality to potentially get a poster dunk on you or something. Uh, so he, I thought that he garnered some respect down the stretch and then also just did a really good job flying in for offensive rebounds and tips and showed much better touch down the stretch of the game than he did early in the game, which was key for the Knicks and gave them a couple of key tippins uh, down the stretch. So, yeah, I mean, uh, you don't want to live with this rotation all the time, and I hope Hartenstein gets back soon. But for one night only at least, and uh, I don't think this would be the same against the Nuggets in a couple of days when they have to face Jokic, obviously, but for this night, it worked out pretty good. Yeah, Nets uh, with uh, Nick Claxton, who's a really good center, but al- also very skinny. Um, this this was kind of the ideal matchup for it. Uh, Sims's rim protection stood out early, four blocks in the first quarter. Precious running the floor was awesome. Last thing I wanted to note uh, was Quinn Grimes, who I, I thought, again, had a pretty solid game in 20 minutes, like made the extra pass a few times, like one really nice one to deuce for a three. Um, had a transition layup off of a make where Hart did a great job just pushing and, and hitting him really early on an outlet. And Grimes went right to the rim for an up and under scoop layup. And it, it just reminds you of what we knew last year with Grimes and that he's a good finisher and he just, he has to be more aggressive about finding opportunities to do that and get to the rim. But uh, since the trade, like I've loved, like whenever we do see him get out of the transition, I'm always so confident that he's going to figure out a way around the basket. Um, and I can't help but think like tonight is not the night to be making this argument because Hart was just unquestionably awesome down the stretch. And I think if, if Grimes is out there instead of Hart, like who knows if they win this game and who knows if Grimes makes those same plays and is confident enough to make those same plays. I wish Tibbs would occasionally try him down the stretch and let him finish games because I just like I, I know like. Uh, I'm, I'm beating a dead horse here, but um, I can't help but feel like their ceiling is probably higher with the best version of Quentin Grimes finishing games and his ability to space the floor and what he does as a one-on-one defender than it is with Josh Hart in the playoffs, just because we've seen that movie before. And with the way Hart is shooting this year, I, I don't think ultimately he's going to be that guy. The counterpoint to that is that it'll probably be neither of them. And hopefully, Alex, it'll be uh, Malcolm Brogdon uh, draining threes in the Eastern Conference Finals, talking crap to his former teammates in Boston. Uh, yeah, I think uh, that's about all the basketball notes that I would have had, too. I'll just lastly note that there was a weird saga that played out courtside where Tyra Banks was at the game and was apparently sitting with neon uh, people in neon wolf furry costumes on the sideline of this game i totally miss this look up uh stefan bondy uh, was tweeting about it and then some of the other beat writers got in on it and then there was people from the game taking pictures of it and sending it to them it was totally bizarre i just want to say tyra banks if you need a a wolf in neon stuff i'll come and sit in a neon shirt next time um if you need someone to sit courtside with you and then, sure. you know, I, I would love to sit courtside at the next game. That would be really fun. So, uh, you know, but um, anyway, uh, this has been an episode of Locked On Knicks. We'll be back with more for you guys as the week goes on. More game recaps and uh, potentially some more trade talk. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the DeJounte Murray uh, trade primer and we're going to 
Unfortunately, no more Terry Rozier to, to talk about, even <laughs> though we were trying to arrange that. Thanks, Miami, for getting that done early. But we're going to try to get you guys ready for the trade deadline coming up in a couple weeks as well. So all that's coming up on Locked on Knicks. But until next time, thank you all for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Peace out, everybody.